All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Project Warman podcast with me, Connor Warman. My guest today is Dan Bailey. Dan's resume speaks for itself. Um, collegiate track athlete, CrossFit Games competitor, the list goes on and on. The only thing I would say is 24-hour-plus events are probably not his forte. That's the right use of that word. Um, but no, all jokes aside, um, what's cool about Dan is Dan's just a stand-up awesome guy, and I had the chance to meet him at the uh, Big Fish Foundation fundraiser and compete against him and just get to know the guy a little bit more and talked a lot of shit to him, but um, all in good fun. He's a he's a real stand-up guy, and uh, it's just it's really cool that I had the opportunity to meet him and get to know the person, Dan Bailey, a little bit more, and that's what we talk about today. We dive into competing a little bit and stuff, but just really get into who Dan is as a person and what he's doing now, now that he's not competing um, in CrossFit anymore, even though he continues to insist that he's leaving that door open, but um, no, great conversation, and I really hope you guys enjoy this one. Um, Oh, after the fact that Dan made me wait 45 minutes past the time we were supposed to start this morning, but it's all good. Um, I had to run out on him in the, at the end, so I guess, uh, I guess we're even now, but all right, guys, really hope you enjoy this one. I'm not ready or whatever. I was like, all right, I guess I'll go get some coffee, whatever, whatever, dude. It's just, it's just five 30 in the morning here. Ain't nothing but a thing for me, though, you know? Uh, yeah, you know, when you roll down in the when deep you like you do. <laughs> you know it. You know a little bit about it. I don't know all about it. I know a little bit about it. <laughs> you started to learn a little bit, and then you left. I, that's true. And you went back home. I started but, to know a little bit. I need to hang out with uh, Tosh and Jeff Case again. You do. To figure out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Hobart, he doesn't, he doesn't know too much about it. We're getting him there. No, no we're getting him there. <laughs> but yeah, no, thanks, thanks for being here, dude. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, of course, this will be fun. <laughs> Sorry, I'm late again. No, no, all good, all good. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's roll. Let's roll right into it. You ready? All right. Yeah, I'm ready. All right, man. Let's just start. Let's just um, just tell me a little bit about uh, growing up and doing track, and then how you eventually made that transition into CrossFit. So. Um, yeah, I when I was I was I was always in sports in school um, from when I was a little kid, and the longer that I played sports, the more I realized that just one of the talents I had was just being fast. I was naturally gifted to be uh, pretty quick, and then continued to develop that in all the sports that I played, and and that was the thing that I used to my advantage in any sport that I played. Um, and found out pretty much my like sophomore and junior year of high school that just from different times I was running and events that I was going to be good enough to run collegiately and get a scholarship for that. So I really just decided to focus on achieving that goal. Um, and that got me to Ohio university, uh, where I ran for four years, um, had a decent career there, Wish it would have went a little better, but, um, that's kind of how college can go sometimes. So, uh, <laughs> then after that, um, is that where you grew up Ohio? Yeah, I grew up in Ohio, northeastern Ohio, specifically a place called Uniontown, Ohio, which is like a little dot on the map. No reason for anybody to care where it's at. Mm. Is that by Sandusky? Part- Sorry. Keep no, <laughs> no. Callahan Auto Parts. No, it's not up there. Um, oh, yeah, it, uh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> it, uh, it, um, but it was the greatest place to grow up. Like I hated it a little bit at the time because you're just like suburbia secluded, like small town. You're not really in Cleveland. You're not really near any Ugh, major city, Cleveland, but yeah. it was, the, dude, you don't know, <laughs> you don't know, you don't know about the land. 
<laughs> man, the North Coast. We that's a whole nother topic. But um <laughs> but it was the best place to grow up. So like yeah, Uniontown is like a little slice of heaven. Amazing community, amazing families, great teachers, incredible school, incredible school, like district and the league that you're in, all the schools that are there are great. Like it's it's a great place. So yeah, that's where I grew up. Uh went to Ohio University after that, and then coached some track and field collegiately at Fresno Pacific University with a good friend of mine named JT um, for a little bit, got into middle school teaching. That was my job after college or what I got my degree in was physical education. So I taught middle school for like two school years and then ended up losing basically both of those positions to budget cuts, which is going to be a reoccurring theme if we go through the entire uh, storyline here. <laughs> But I moved back to Ohio and started getting a graduate degree and a second undergrad degree at the University of Akron. And then I, I stumbled into CrossFit just by guys who worked out in the rec at like 6 a.m. at Akron. And I worked out there and they got me to do it. And kind of the rest was history. It kind of went from there. I was looking for something to still be competitive in. Like I missed training with the team. I missed like training for a purpose, like a goal for to be faster, to be better at something you know, just the bodybuilding thing or going into workout to be healthy. Wasn't like super exciting to That's me. What you, you do. Know? What are you talking about? That's all you do now. It, it, well, yeah, it is all I do now. Cause I'm falling apart. <laughs> Every time I try to push the limits, something terrible happens. So <laughs> what did you, what events did you do in track? I did the quarter mile. I was a sprinter. I did the hundred meter dash up to the quarter mile, sometimes the 800 meter dash. Um, but you, the quarter mile became like my main event. So I was the second, uh, second in the state of Ohio in the quarter mile my senior year. I ran like 47, 95 or 96, something around there. You could have been first, um, though. What's that? You could have been first, though. Dude, if I showed you the video of this race, it'd break your heart. <laughs> I was absolutely crushing this guy the entire way until, I mean, it's all that matters is what happens at the end. But um, he snuck up behind me and, and walked me down in like the last five meters. Ugh. I lost that race by like two hundredths of a second it was that close Dude, uh, it was devastating yeah. it crushed me for months afterwards there, i was furious i was depressed yeah. there's yeah, nothing worse than being in a race or something like that and you're getting to the end and your legs you're just you're trying to push your legs are just so heavy yeah and someone just <laughs> right past you right man you just watch it happen like it's I the feel, worst yeah i feel like i'm trying twice as hard as i was when i started <laughs> But and the thing that the thing that was worse about this one was was the worst. I didn't even have like the ability to react. Like it happened right at the finish line. Like literally, I'm running as hard as I can. I've got nobody in my line of view. I can see like the finish line's there, and like it, the adrenaline's actually helping me going because in my head I'm like, you're about to be state champion. Like you can be state champ. Like let's go. Like just just finish. You. you know, I'm so jacked and like literally. In the last like step, I just see this chest and this body just creep by just right at the end. <laughs> and I like fall to the finish line because I tried to do an extra lean. And I knew, you know, even at two hundredths of a second, you know when you lost. Yep. You can tell, especially yep. if you've raced enough. And that's such a I mean, that's a very small margin even in track and field to lose by. That's a close race. That's a great race. Yeah. But I knew it was devastating. <laughs> holding back the tears on the podium. Oh, my man. coach is trying to make me stay positive. He was so, so happy. Like my parents were happy and I was just miserable. Yeah. But I look back on it now. I'm super proud of it. What was your, what was your best 400 time? Best 400 time all time was 4784 or no, 4781. I want to say somewhere right around in there. I think mine's like yeah. 44. No, it's not. Not even close. <laughs> what are you talking about? You couldn't even run a sub 60 right now. Like not even close. I'm going to go out to the track today and do it. 
do it, please. I'll, please I'll tag, tag me in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> While you're vomiting in the background, too. You do it right. I've actually got this bet with this guy at the gym. We were just talking shit yesterday. Shocker. Of course. Shocker. Shocker. <laughs> and, uh, he's a big endurance guy. And I was like, all right, you clean and jerk 200 pounds before I run a 530 mile or something. I'll win that one. Give me, give me a You'll week. Win that. You'll win that one. Give me a week. You got 530 in your mile, yeah, a mile fine. time. And you, you got, yeah. Originally, it was um, sub five. And I was like, ooh. Ooh, that's aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> should <probably> stop talking. <laughs> that's a lot harder than 530. That's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so for, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say for like for collegially, I focused on the 400, but for how fast I actually was like, that's fast among for sure among CrossFitters and then among most people. But yeah. when you look at the grand scheme of things, like I would do good at my conference meet. Um, I would watch those guys to go to the guys who like won my conference meet, go to an NCA regional meet, which is like the step before the NCA meet. And I would watch the guys at my conference meet get crushed, hmm. like who beat me. I would watch them get crushed. And then I would follow those guys at the NCAA meet. None of them would make it to the final heat of the NCA finals. Cause there's like nine guys who run in the 400 and the, and that's it. And like, you have to be very, very fast to get to that level or even run at a, at a U.S. nationals or world level, uh, for, for track and field. It became very apparent to me. My, by my junior and senior year is like, you, are not going to the Olympics. You're not, <laughs> unfortunately. You're gonna have to find something else. I just, I just picture you like. Have you seen the movie Cool Runnings before? Mm, I have. You're like that dude who falls when he's trying to get to the Olympics or whatever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That was kind of it. My senior year in high school. It's yeah. devastating. So it when, lives to me, still haunts me to this so day. So when you got into CrossFit, what year was that? That was 2010. It's like March, no, February of 2010. Uh, just started doing a couple workouts. A guy got me to the gym, uh, CrossFit Legacy, which is in Barberton, Ohio. And they mentioned that you could compete in it and win the title of fittest on earth. I'm like, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Now I'm interested. <laughs> now you got my attention. You know? <laughs> so you've got my attention. And uh, didn't make it in 2010. Swore I was going to make it coming back, made it from 2011 to 2015. That's not like 2010 is not that early, but we were talking actually your boy, Carrie hair yesterday. We were talking about like watching old, like, um, like that Amanda workout from the games, just how funny it is to like, look back. Oh my gosh. Like it's Jason crazy. Kalipa falling into the crowd. Like, Almost killing the cameraman with yeah. a 135 pound barbell. And now it's like nothing. Like no, everybody, you, like if you're not doing that unbroken now, yeah you're not yeah and like even like decent like everyday athletes like good good crossfitters like just do that workout like it's not nothing but like they make it through without falling over <laughs> yeah you they know? like probably finish that workout in similar times as games athletes in 2010 yeah. you know and that's part of a sport being so young yeah. so new there's such like advancement in the early like first five years or so um it's cool to see. And yeah, Carrie had a good point too. It's like, it's a cool thing because it's a new sport. So it's like, you can go back and see that. It wasn't that long ago. Like baseball, you can't really like, you can't, it's not that as relatable. Like yeah, it's tough to watch yeah. like a game from like the 1920s yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. Or the 1930s. To see how far yeah. the games come, but it's cool. <laughs> it's cool to see the evolution of the sport for sure. Yeah. Um, so you competed for a handful of years. What were some of like the highlights, like some of just the big moments for you competing? Man, big moments competing. Uh, just kind of to go back to what I had mentioned before that like when it became abundantly clear that like I was not going to be running track and field professionally, 
but I did wind up doing an athletic event professionally. Like I ended up doing CrossFit professionally. Um, that gave me all the avenues of all the ways to make a living, uh, was being in that sport. So whether that was from sponsorships, job opportunities, you know, one-off things, um, that's a judge, definitely like a, just a total highlight, you know, that's a, uh, uh, a really cool thing that I get to say that I have that experience and still have that experience to some extent. Um, but that, that was definitely a highlight watching that kind of come f- full circle in my athletic career. And then, uh, the invitational obviously always stands out. That's, that was the, you know, kind of USA versus the world or yeah. it was USA, Europe, Australia, and Canada. And like I said, I always had wanted to be an Olympian growing up. I wanted to be like Carl Lewis. I wanted to be in the Olympics and represent my country. And then sure enough, in 2015, I got to run out on the floor with USA on my chest with Team America, and we won. So yeah. that was a definite, definite highlight there. Yeah. Uh, winning, the, winning the Open in 2011, that was a highlight, especially having not made it to the games and then working my tail off for a year, uh, seeing that happen. I won the Open in 20, the first Open in 2011. Um, and man, just a lot of just all the roads and pathways that it's taken me down has yep. been fantastic i mean even into you know meeting you you know running into (laughs) running i wouldn't have done that if it hadn't been for crossfit so yeah yeah no that's cool yeah and you you had some injuries over your like career and stuff like how did like well first off like the training like what was the training like especially in the earlier days when you just like everyone's just cranking up the volume and it wasn't like i don't know like was it like were you ever like this is too much i'm doing way too much stuff I think as it got, as the sport got more professional, um, that's when people really started testing the waters. So sponsorships started to become a thing, 2011, 2012, 2013, um, you know, more companies were kind of investing in the space. So there's more, started to be more opportunity, not as much opportunity as there is today, but, um, so that really opened the door for athletes to really start to train a little more full-time or really commit a lot of time to it. And, you know, in 2012, I moved down to Cookville. I got my master's at Tennessee tech and was like a assistant strength coach there uh, while I was doing that as well as, I mean, the, the big reason was I moved down there was to train with rich. Hmm. Um, he had won the games previously in 2011. And I don't, I mean, we didn't have like a definite amount of volume, but it was basically like, we're just going to train until somebody either gets sick or hurt. I feel like is usually, <laughs> and it was usually me, usually was, what happens so until somebody has to like tap out and yeah. like, you know, um, but uh, we definitely changed. We changed the landscape from like doing CrossFit and training for the CrossFit games is not the same thing. So if you're going to train for the CrossFit games, you have to do rowing intervals. You have to do barbell cycling intervals. You have to break those things down into their components so that you can become better at them. And that's what we spent a lot of time doing, you know, dedicated strength sessions. Um, not just like we're gonna do this Metcon and then we're gonna do that Metcon and we're gonna do that Metcon and, and like just throttling yourself that way. It was more of, uh, managing different, a different stimulus, um, over the course of a week or months where you're just trying to get better at a certain particular skill. So, um, yeah, the volume was very high. Like it was, it was a lot, you know, um, and probably part of that has a little bit to do with the injuries that I ended up sustaining because they were just chronic things, but more or less, I don't know if it was the volume that really did it, but the fact that I didn't take good enough care of my body recovery wise 
probably didn't do enough massages. I didn't do enough ice baths. I didn't do enough recovery work, foam rolling, um, some of those things to keep an eye on uh, just the maintenance on my body. So um, yeah. And in regards to your question, volume wise, very high. And like now it's probably, it's probably still as high. It's just, I think everybody just gets a little bit smarter about how to approach it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, do you think there's really like with the way it's going with training, do you think there's really enough recovery in the world? Like to, like for it to be sustainable for a long time? Um, like there's certain people who seem like they've got it dialed in, but it just seems like whenever, some, whenever someone retires, there was always something that no one really knew about that was kind of like nagging them. And then it finally comes out like, you know, sure. That'll always be the case. I don't think no matter how much you recover, mm-hmm. you're always going to be riding that line of like some kind of nagging issue or coming close to an injury or, or being right there. But can have we found that like limit of training in or limit of volume or intensity in training in CrossFit or the CrossFit games yet? I don't think so because monetarily it's not there. Um, LeBron James spends over a million dollars on recovery and rehab a year. Nobody's doing that. Nobody yeah, has that kind of, kind of cash flow, right? Like, so imagine if somebody could put that amount of money into making sure that their body is just healthy. Like how much harder could they train? How much harder can they push themselves? when they know they have that kind of system on the other end to combat the nagging injuries and those kind of things. So no, I don't think we've seen it. Is it sustainable? Uh, no, at some point, like I've always been an advocate of, or not an advocate, but I've always made the claim that like training for the CrossFit games is not good for you on some level. Like, it's just not like, it's, it's like playing football. Like if you play football professionally, that's not good for you. It's not good for your health to go do that. But it's a professional sport where you're trying to be a champion. You're trying to make money. You're trying to be the best. So um, that's part of the game. Like you're going to hurt yourself on, at some point pushing that that level or to, to that extreme in anything. Same thing with like running a marathon. Like yeah. it's not good for you to be one of those guys and put in that kind of mileage. Um, there's all sorts of chronic things that happen later in life, whether it's with your heart, whether it's with your overall health, your, you know, your knees, your joints, like all those things. So, and that's okay. Like, in my opinion, that's fine. I, you know, if you, as long as you're an athlete and you accept that risk and you understand that that's what you're getting yourself into and you're not going to like complain about it on the back end, like, yeah, like, sure. That's, that's part of the deal. That's part of the sport. Yeah. And when did you find, like, when did you realize or just come to the decision? Like I'm done and like you competed your whole life. So that had to be hard. First of all, legends never die. I've legends never officially, never I've never officially retired. You know, I've never left my shoes out on the floor. So, you know, who knows? Maybe I will make a comeback. Probably not. But you know. <laughs> leaving the door open. Um, right. No. Uh, after after the biggest injury in 2018, um, yeah, I just couldn't string a healthy week together, like or a healthy two weeks. Something would always come up, and that's mostly from compensating from the nagging injuries that I did have with my knee and with, you know, hernia and my shoulder was kind of, you know, not good. So other things would act up because I'm compensating for all of those things. And so I'd have to take a bunch of time off until finally, you know, the, the wheels just came off and my quad tendon ruptured Um, and getting surgery for that and getting the other two surgeries to fix my other uh, problems. It was like, yeah, you're probably done at this point. You're probably, um, just because the little 1% deficiencies, it's not even like, well, can I lift as much as I used to? Yes. I've PR'd my back squat since that's happened. Like I've been able to uh, do some of those things. Like I've, I've PR'd open workouts, but 
that doesn't mean I'm as fit as I used to be or capable of handling the volume or even doing the training to get myself back there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so my surgeon always had a great line. He's like, athletes will always find a way. He's like, if you want to get back, you'll find a way to get back in, in some shape or form. You won't be the same. Like you're just not going to be, that's just the way that it is. Um, so I, I kind of kept that attitude and I did get back to the master's competition and eventually got COVID, which sucked. Yeah. That was a, a dumb year, but um, that's a far cry from making it back as yeah. an individual, but it was something that was like, okay, you did put the time in, you can put the work in, you can still compete. You can still go out and be competitive in some aspect at your age and at, you know, all the deficiencies that you've had with the surgeries. But um, yeah, tw 2018 or so, I mean, obviously coming back from those things, knowing how hard it was and knowing where I'm at now with it, like what, when I try to put in that volume, what it looks like for me and how my body feels yeah. and how those areas where I've had those surgeries feel, it makes it very difficult because mm. again, you're talking about um, the little percentages that you drop off are massive when you're competing against the cream of the cream, right? Yeah. Like mm. those are, you're losing by seconds and minutes because of those little deficiencies. Mm -hmm. So, and you can't do that. You can't have that yeah. at this level and at this time with how competitive and how deep the field is. Um, so that kind of is what it is, yep. you know, it, mm -hmm. I don't regret any of it. I love the career that I had. I love how I approached it. And uh, if I feel called to step back up to the plate and try to take a fastball, maybe I will. But we'll see. <laughs> yeah, you said something in there though that I think is important. Like it's just a testament to the methodology of CrossFit. I think like maybe you're not competing, but you can still over time like you should be going to do up. You know, it's just cool. You can still PR stuff. Like maybe you're not going to regionals or the games or whatever we do now. Regionals, sectionals, sanctionals, whatever. Sanctionals, you know, semifinals. Know, whatever. I think it's semifinals. Semifinals. Current, yeah. Um, I think that's the current name. For now. For this year. For now. For now. For this year. Yep. <laughs> but I know it's just a testament to the methodology. Like it's like the same thing with Kerry. Like at Roots, see it all the time. Like he's still able, like maybe he's not what he was, but like he's still able to like PR stuff. And it's just, it's cool. Like you don't have to kill yourself to get better and PR and keep going. Right. And that's like the model, the actual model for health, right. Is yep. like those slow, steady PRs and those slow, like increasing, like those different components that make up your overall health. Yep. And really on a large part, that's what I'm looking to do. I'm looking to be the healthiest version of myself, maybe not the most competitive version of myself. Yeah. Cause like we look at like the sick, well fit graph and whatever chart Con continuum like, continuum. Sorry. I'm going to get shit for that one. <laughs> Sickness, wellness, fitness. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah, like when you're competing, there's there's an argument to be made that you're maybe not actually on the fitness side of things. You know, you might be a little more on the well or sick just based off, you know, you're crushing your body and stuff. So, yeah, we had we had discussions about that. I think I talked to Austin Malialo about it for sure. Probably rich. But it's like you have that continuum and it's just kind of a, uh, a rising sun, basically, with the line going across the horizon. But you get to the point of fitness and you could be really fit, but all of a sudden I feel like you could connect that circle back around mm -hmm. to sickness. Like you keep working out and you keep training that, Oh shoot. Now it's like actually becoming a detriment, like to your actual mm -hmm. overall health. And that is case in point that happened to me. Like I just yeah. kept pushing and pushing and pushing when even my body was like, I always use the term, the check engine light kept coming on, mm -hmm. like kept telling me, Hey, slow down, go get this checked out, go get looked at, stop doing this. You need to stop. And I wouldn't stop until finally, boom, like just something just catastrophic yeah. happened. Um, 
So it's a good thing for your everyday gym goer to keep in mind. And there's a season to do it. Like, let's say you're, you CrossFit, you have no aspirations of making it to semifinals. You don't care about going to the games. There's this local competition coming up. Okay. Set aside 12 weeks where you're really going to, I'm going to put in some double days. I'm going to dedicate my weekends to training, do it for that 12 week run up to your event, do your event, and then go back to training for an hour a day. You know, Mm -hmm. don't, you don't have to spend, you know, six months to your entire year dedicated towards that local competition. That's unnecessary to be prepared for that. And it's healthier to do it in a 12 to 15 week wave where, okay, right here, I'm really going to push myself. I'm going to spend two weeks where I'm working out really hard. I'm going to back off for a week after that. And we're going to do that cycle over and over again for 12 to 15 weeks. I'm going to do my comp and then, Hey, I'm back to regular CrossFit class. That's how most people should approach a competitive event if they want to do it. Yeah. And that's like, that was Greg's big thing in the beginning. It's like, Hey, anything over an hour, as long as you're eating right and you're doing stuff outside the gym, being active, like it's just a, basically a waste of time. Yeah. I mean, it, I couldn't agree more. Like if you're just looking to be healthy and you're looking to be fit, you don't need to do any of, you don't need to do CrossFit games training. If you want to do it for fun, you know, like I said, for a local comp or something like that, cool. Or maybe you get a little more specific with training. Like I really want to PR my deadlift. I really want to lift X amount of weight. Okay. That's going to take some more extra hours in the gym. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally understandable, but an hour in there, CrossFit class, that is the best thing you can do. Mm to be the healthiest version of yourself. No doubt. Nobody, no other method, no other, anything comes close. And what's cool too, is like how like people, you just, you'll, you'll PR your deadlift, like just by doing CrossFit and following the method, the methodology who like, cause you'll see it all the time. It's like all these movements kind of build upon themselves and help you with other things. And it's like, Oh, I haven't deadlifted in two months, but I just PR'd my deadlift. (laughs) You know, it's cool. Yeah. uh, That's even happened to me. That happened to me down in, uh, in Cookville. We didn't, we did more snatch and barbell work and like clean and jerk and Olympic lifting work, but I, we didn't really test a whole bunch. So I think I tested in 2011, there was this, uh, a max snatch portion of the 2011 CrossFit games. I think I snatched like 235 or 236. And then in less than a year, I got to 265, hmm. like just from doing CrossFit, doing that movement, doing other movements that go overhead and similar movement patterns gave me the strength, the technical efficiency and all those things to PR. Um, that is like a really cool thing. It's really cool to see it when clients do it too. It's like, wow, I haven't even really been working on this, but it just got programmed today. It got thrown in the mix and here I am sitting with a 10 pound or five pound PR. It works, man. It works. Um, so I got to ask you about this cause you're a very reserved, quiet guy. I'm sure you get this question all the time. Let's talk a little bit about your alter ego, Danny (laughs) (laughs) Brofix. I'm just shocked that that's something you did or do or whatever. I don't know. Like, how did that start? And like, what? Yeah, just start there. I mean, my closest friends, the people who I'm closest with and most comfortable around, they see that side of me probably come out a little more frequently. It's not something that I'll do just around anybody. Like, I really have to trust people to do that. And uh, Heber Cannon and Marston Sawyers are, are two of those guys that, I hung out with a lot out at CrossFit HQ. Um, we became good friends. They actually, Heber made the first CrossFit video I've ever been in. And that's how I met him in 2010. Um, and so, they, you know, CrossFit was doing these commercials basically for insert name is ready for the CrossFit games. They did one with Kalipa where 
I think he was like pulling his car to the gym in the morning. Like that was his thing. It was a sled push. And then he got there and was ready to like coach or something like that. Um, I did one because I worked at road fit road fitness at the time. Um, where like I answered a phone, I was in customer service there answering questions and emails and all that. And so like I answered the phone and then hung it up and then turned around and there was a barbell sitting there and I did some like 225 pound cleans in the middle of an office. Right. And so they were going to do another round of these. And at the time the movie pain and gain was coming out. I don't know if you remember that. Okay. It's got the rock and Mark Wahlberg in it and all the advertisements for it were very Jim bro, like (laughs) them yelling at each other, lifting, like, there's this one scene where he's like, you're hot, you're mean while he's doing like curls. And so I was out there when this movie was about to come out. And so anytime Heber and I were in the gym together, the CrossFit HQ gym, we just yell those lines out at us constant at each other constantly mm-hmm. just being idiots. And so we had to shoot this commercial and we didn't know what to do. And we knew, like, I think they had an idea for it and they just wheeled in a Bowflex into the middle of the room <laughs> had two like ridiculous outfits with wigs. And then I just like, I remember the garage door rolling up and they're like, all right, this is what we have and let's go. And I'm like, okay, well, what are we doing? And like the idea kind of came around that we were just going to have like a infomercial gone wrong. Like somebody's trying to do fitness basically the wrong way. And then they're going to go pick up a barbell and, you know, realize that this is the actual way to do it. And uh, we had a blast and just, acted stupid during the whole thing. It was like Marston, uh, Heber, Tommy Marquez, uh, Brooke. Um, yeah. And a couple other people I'm drawing a blank, but just kept shouting out different ideas and different dumb things to do. And it would turn into such a hit. Like as soon as they released it, I think in like two days, it went to like 300,000 views. It was like right before my regional too. Like, yeah, I woke up to like 50 to 60 text messages, missed calls because it released at, I was already asleep or something. Um, and because people liked it so much, CrossFit was like, let's do more. Or uh, they were like, let's, let's do a couple more. Let's, let's throw a couple more. And it's like, okay, the character became Danny Broflex. And so the idea was uh, he is supposed to represent everything that's wrong with the fitness community. Like he's just, yeah. and he's very confidently wrong. He means well, like he wants to do good but he just messes everything up with full intensity, like full, full attitude. And so that's kind of where that came from. So a lot of that character, I do have to give like Hebes and Mars a lot of credit because I am reserved. I am quiet. I am pretty, you know, uh, I'm an introvert to a lot of levels, but for whatever reason, those two guys could pull it out of me. Mm -hmm. You know, we would shoot something and he'd be like, it's not enough. He's like, you got to go harder. He's like, you got to, I need more. Like, you know, he, he would coach me into pulling it out of me slowly, but surely. And so we've just done one-off episodes of that every couple of years. Um, the last ones we just, we released like two or three years ago. Uh, were phenomenal. We got to do one with Matt Frazier and he was great. Like he crushed it. He was hilarious. Um, we did one with uh, Danny as being an influencer. That's probably my favorite one that we've ever filmed. It was hilarious. Uh, but that's where all that came from. And that's kind of how it, it got to where it went. It didn't really take off like as like a professional gig. I don't think it ever will. But, you know, if we ever find the time and have the right ideas, you know, I think we'll we'll, we'll spend 20 minutes and just shoot something yeah. and be stupid. And hopefully the, the community can enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's let's fast forward. Let's talk about the fundraiser. 
Yeah. Um, so first off, how did you get involved with Tosh? And then what were you thinking when he first reached out and he's like, hey, man, you want to do this? I first met Tosh at a CrossFit seminar staff, like end of year event, the trainer summit, I think is what it was called. It was in San Diego. I was never on CrossFit seminar staff, um, but I just got invited up just from being local yeah. to hang out. And I think Dave introduced me to him, uh, Castro, and he was really quiet and shy the first time that I met him. Like, I didn't really know who he was until uh, after, like Dave kind of explained some of his background and his history. And I won't really bring that up here because I know he doesn't care for that to be mentioned. But uh, for lack of a better word, I'm like, oh, wow, this guy's an American hero and an absolute badass. Mm -hmm. And then we met a couple more times just because he was local and him and Nicole were local in San Diego at that time. And we met up a couple more times and just started talking. At the time, I lived on a boat yeah, that's right. in San Diego, Chula Vista <laughs> Harbor. And I was working for um, the Department of Defense. And uh, he had boats on the East Coast. And so, boom, that was that was our connection. We just hit it off right there and started talking about, I'm like, yeah, I'm brand new to boats. I'm figuring out all this stuff. I got to ask him a bunch of questions. He'd give me answers, like what to do. And so then we just started talking from there. Uh, you know, I'd come over every now and then to hang out, work out. Actually, when my boat got pulled out of the water to get work done, he offered me to stay at their place mm. because I had nowhere to stay. I was staying at some janky hotel where you turn on the TV and you see things you don't want to see. And like, yeah, that kind of place. Uh, so he's like, no, you're not staying there. He's like, come stay with us. <laughs> and so we had a great time with the couple of days that it was pulled out of the water, hanging out and doing whatever. And, um, so we've just been friends since then. We had like a couple like good talks. He'll understand this towel talk is what he called it, where he's kind of explaining, you know, the way that Tosh explains things mm -hmm. um, about effort and about success and about mm -hmm. what all those things mean to him and the, in the beautiful ways that he can explain them. And uh, for whatever reason, we, we had another giant connecting point when we talked about the movie Cyborg. He'll appreciate this if he listens to this, but how cyborg is like one of his favorite movies. And so we've actually watched it together twice just on a bro, on a bro date. <laughs> a bro um, date. But, uh, from there, you know, I start, you know, he started his podcast and I just started paying attention to the foundation that he started and what it was for. I've always been a big advocate of helping out veterans in any way. I think they're an underserved population in the United States and just for everything that they do, you know, for, um, how much we have to appreciate here. You know, there's no place else in the world like the United States of America no doubt. that you can go, that you can be as free, that you can have as much opportunity. It's not perfect. Everyone knows that. Like, of course, yeah. there's there's problems that always need to be solved and there will always be problems because there will always be, you know, terrible people in the world. But um, for in large part, the sacrifices that they make 24-7 to just make sure that America stays America is um, something that I, you know, once they're out of it, I don't think it's, I'm trying to think, I don't want to say rewarded, but just, um, I don't think, I think they're an underserved population. We'll just leave it as that. Yep. At that. So obviously Tasha at this point was a good friend. He started doing, uh, the diesel days and the big fish fundraisers. And I always wanted to do one, but I was super intimidated to, mm. I don't like endurance events. That's not like I mentioned before, grew up a sprinter, like, 40 seconds to two minutes is as long as I'm used to going. Mm -hmm. Obviously got a little better with doing all that with the CrossFit games. 
but still these events are gnarly and he is gnarly with the stuff that he does like the container run yep uh the what did he go for a hundred hours of two and a half miles every hour wasn't that it like yeah that was something let, not like that, it's one thing to do go do that on a track it's another thing to go do it how he did it at his house you know on a trail yeah up down you know up down whatever. at elevation like all of that and you do have to have a particular skill set to be good at that like you do have yes. to have in my opinion a genetic predisposition to it just like you do if you're going to deadlift a thousand pounds like you have to have a particular predisposition but that takes some grind like tosh can just <clears throat> turn it off and go um yeah unlike most other people can or more than way more than most other people can. And so I'm like, I have to do one of these. Like, I just have to do it. Cause it's going to be a good test for myself. I'm going to hate it. And I know that I might not make it. And that pisses me off because I don't want to quit. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want those things to happen. Um, but I do want to help out. So mm. I had missed the first couple. I really wanted to do the one that had the bench press in it. I was so mad that I had to miss that one. <laughs> oh, the first one. Um, yeah. Yeah. The first one. Yeah. Um, but finally, you know, there were some things going on in my schedule, some things that were up in the air and I'm like, you know what? I am going to do this. I just finally committed and texted him. I'm like, yes, I will be there hundred percent. Like, let's go. Um, and that's kind of, I mean, that's how I met him. That's how I ended up there for, yeah. for the event. Yeah. I will say I had, I think I had you beat, that first cornhole game we played, I was like, I'm in this dude's head. It's over. Did you? <laughs> I Did think you though? So. I don't even I, remember. I don't even know if we finished. I don't even know I, if that I game's definitely finished. Definitely won. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. For those of you listening, I had no idea who Connor was coming into this. I had heard the name, whatever. He's going to be there. He's good at this stuff. I'm like, okay. He came in hot, <laughs> hot. Just started talking trash from day one, um, uh. which made the weekend that much more fun. But. <laughs> I can, well, the first thing we had to do was that was a one hour evolution. I think the first one. Yeah. Yeah. It was like run a lap. Every time you pass the pull up bar, pick up plates and bring them in and you got points for the more weight you brought in and the more laps that you did. And so three, two, one, go. We're all out running around doing whatever. I'm like, I'm letting people go. I know this is 30 hours long. I need to, I need to run my race or I will not finish. Like I will get hurt guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, but we come around and I've got plates on my back and I look up and I'm like, I don't know, 50 yards from the finish. There's this really steep climb. And I'm like, there's Connor. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is it. This might be the only chance this weekend I get. And so I ruin myself to run up this hill as fast as I can and get ahead of him and pass him. And I won lap one. one lap one. Took the victory on lap one. Well, my thing was like, yeah, I'm going to hang back, but I'm going to grab I'll, like I'm gonna grab two plates. You have to because yeah. the rule was like you can't grab more than what you grab on the first lap. And yep. Tosh told me before he's like, just go put on a demonstration. And I was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> and you did. You did that weekend. <laughs> Not necessarily in that event at first, but uh, what are you, you talking D- about? <laughs> you and DT with the gold jugs. I mean, that we, we could spend hours talking about yeah, that. Yeah. But like. Uh, that was impressive. That was like you guys barely made it back in the time frame. Didn't you have like two gold jugs at the same time? Yeah, that was something? hilarious. Running down that, that was... hill, stumbling. He's like, "Let's go! What are you doing?" My grip was just done. I'm like, "Bro, we got him. We got two minutes. We like, got... I can see the finish line. Relax." That was amazing. We're like Full throwing strength. him down the hill, basically. Yeah, right. 
just rolling down the hill. I could when that was like the straw that broke a lot of people's camels back. I think seeing yeah. those two gold jugs come across was like, oh my gosh, okay. Like you guys, you had a knot on the back of your neck the size of a golf ball too. I thought mine was bad. It was a little raw back there, and I'm like, oh, that's you know, that's a little comfortable. And then I look at yours, look like you were growing another spine out of your back, Seriously. something from Alien. Oh yeah. But yeah, that first one, it's just like like I know I've done stuff like that, and I don't think you really have. So I was like. I'm going to, I got to get him out of his comfort zone from the start. Cause I know, I know what's going to happen, but I'm like, he doesn't really know what's going to happen later. So I'm like, I just got to get him out of his comfort zone, you know, get him a little, <laughs> a little uncomfortable and then see, see how he reacts. I mean, you succeeded there. I was way out of my comfort zone. <laughs> like I was even, I can't even remember in the first 15 hours, like my calves and quads were already cramping like constantly. Yeah. I'm like I got to get something to slow this down yeah. or, you know, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble, but, yeah. um, getting paired up with the veterans. That was really awesome. cool. Yeah. Like that was awesome. A bunch of savages. Um, the, uh, both or all three or no, both of them that I worked with were, were just the best. Like it, it was great. It was a great time. It was a great way to serve. Great way to give back. Like, um, and the events are awesome. I mean, he was super, they're super creative in how he scores them. Yeah. Like he obviously takes a lot of time investing in in that and making it very creative and very like it makes you think like not only are you doing this grind but it's just like shoot what is the best way that i can get more points like how can i you know how can i take advantage of this situation or that situation and and make it through to the end um with the most points or come out on top so that was really cool it's not just a mental like tough thing you have to push through it's a you have to be smart you have to think of a way to win yeah and yeah, I definitely ran my mouth to you a lot, which made me all night, you know, <laughs> all thirty hours. Yeah, and then the three days before, and after <laughs> the three days, and the day after, yeah. But no, I got to a point. I almost felt bad because you're such like a nice, a good dude, nice dude. And I'm like, man, like, am I pushing this too far? But I was like, nah, he'll be fine. The thing that sucked is like I didn't have. I wanted him like to break out some kind of deadlift, something, just some heavy weight, like <laughs> yeah. something that I knew I was going to murder you at and it never came. And I'm like, I don't have a lot I can talk trash about right now because he is really good at this and he is uh, beating me very handedly right now. Um, I tried to, but no, it made, yeah, go ahead. It made it more bearable. Like the yeah. shit talking, like I mean, it, it made it something to look forward to I mean, every lap or it's every, not, it's not for nothing. Like obviously I hang out with Tosh a lot. You understand where I get it from. It's for me to keep me going, but it's also yeah. like, I'm trying to get the best out of the people around me too. You know, and it kind of, yeah. you know, it's entertaining. I think it helps I, people out a little bit, you know, it, it is entertaining because you are very good at it. I think I got a, uh, I think I got you on a couple rounds of burpees. Oh, I think we sure. raced on burpees a couple of times. And I think one of the rounds, both your quads cramped on yeah. like a jump up. You're just like, oh, oh, and you just stopped and you were standing at the top of the plate. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there we oh, go. Where I got into trouble was the one time I was on the true form next to Carrie. And I started running. Oh, out. yeah. And I was like, you and me, burpees, let's go. And she just torches me. She was, she's a hammer. <laughs> she's she incredible. She crushed that event. Oh, like, like smile yep. on her face. Never complain. Not no problem. That one again. <laughs> no. <laughs> what, um, yeah. Yeah. The, I remember the turning point being, I kind of knew this was going to happen, but I remember like, we're supposed to get an hour break or an hour to whatever. Yeah. He knew that wasn't going to be the case. No. <laughs> and I loved it that he just, he comes out and he's so to preface everything you're 14 hours in, you're supposed to have this hour break or something like that. I don't know however many hours in 12 hours and 13. 
hour break to have a little chat, to have a little whatever, and then maybe take care of your wounds basically for the next push to the finish line through the night. Yeah. And of course he's just like, all I'm saying is you have the opportunity. If you want more points, like, Hey, you can go, you can go run down, put in a lap, whatever plates you bring, whatever you bring back, we'll give you extra points. Yeah. And it's just like, there's no option there. Yeah. You know, didn't you're you surrounded. Sit, didn't you sit in the garage though and lick your wounds? Oh no, no, I did not <laughs> sit in the garage. I think it was the first one down the hill. I was yeah. the last one back, but I was the first one down the hill. Uh, everybody is just like, you just kind of roll over. You're like, all right, I know what that means. Like I'm sitting here yeah. with a bunch of, bunch of veterans who went and fought for my freedom. Like yep. I'm going to sit in the garage and yeah, take right. care of the <laughs> blister on my toe. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a moment. I remember. Yeah. That and that's where I made one of my biggest mistakes. I did a big carry on the first one. Cause it was the same rule. Can't take yeah. more than what you took. Can't but take the second more. one, yeah. I think I took 145. And then the third <laughs> time I went big again, got back and Tasha's like, Hey, just so you know, that doesn't like, we're only going to give you points for what you did last time. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's right. But he's like, Hey, it's a good mistake to make. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to make a mistake, uh, you know, <laughs> like might as well make it hurt. Might as well make it hurt. Exactly. But no, I was like, Oh, sh- you're right. I was like, what am I thinking? It's, well, it's midnight yeah. in that event, but, but yeah, one of many mistakes throughout that event, but it's something I'd like to do again, but I feel like I need to forget about it a little more before I go <laughs> attempt another one. Yeah. Those are things like for me, it might be like once a year, something I can go yeah, go do. Cause as fun as it is, as cool as it is, it's not something that I want to repeat mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. On, a, on a regular basis. Yeah. But yeah. And then you said something afterwards. Um, I mean, I hope you don't, it's not like super personal or whatever, but just kind of caught, caught my attention. Cause you've had this whole like career in CrossFit and to this day, that's kind of been, you know, not who you are, but it's been a part of who you are and kind of how you like your business and all that. And, but and someone asked you like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do next? And you're like, well, I'm going to ride this out until nobody cares who Dan Bailey is anymore. <laughs> I think that's exactly <laughs> what you said. And I know you're like joking, but like, what do you see yourself doing next? Once kind of like, you're not in the fitness space as much. Every time I've had this plan on exactly what I'm going to do or what, you know, not to say that goals or anything like that, but this plan on how things are going to go for me, the plan goes crazy off trail, like in a different route that I thought. Um, So I have like broad goals in my mind, but like I said, every time I, I pin down, I am going to do, this is the way things are going to go for me. God just says, no, that's not the way that this is going to happen. And I just go off course in a different, different place, different pattern, different like thing. Um, but not bad and not in a roundabout way, getting around to the exact same goal that I wanted. I mean, I mentioned that before with competing for the Olympics, I did compete for team USA, you know, like all these different things that I ended up achieving these goals, just in a roundabout way that I didn't expect. So right now, like my biggest thing is like improving, improving the quality of other people's lives through fitness, um, through the, all the things that I've learned and knowledge that I've gained over competitive career in CrossFit, um, all of the coaching stuff that I've picked up along the way from having worked with high level coaches, from having talked to them, like all these things I can bring back to the community that I have, uh, just at my home and abroad. Um, so that's really the biggest focus is bringing value to other people's lives. Um, and, I can do that in a million different ways. So where do I see myself in 10 years? I have no idea. Like I honestly don't, I'm going to keep yeah. focusing on those things, using mm-hmm. my talents 
the talents that I have to that end, to improving the quality of other people's lives. And I don't think I'm going to go wrong. Like, yep. I don't think that uh, I'm going to find myself in a place that I, I hate being, you know, yep, there's yep. a lot of things that I can do to be happy yep. and to be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. um, as long as I'm doing them with the right people in the right situations and it's having the right desired outcome. So what I'm doing, I'm not, I'm not super concerned about. There's certain things that I always know that I'm going to be doing. I'm always going to be teaching people fitness. I'm always going to be teaching people how to do that on some level that'll I'll be doing that until I'm dead. Like yep. that's just what mm -hmm. it, what it's going to be um, because I'm passionate about it. I love it. And uh, it brings me a lot of joy and brings other people joy. Yeah. So um, yeah, I couldn't give you a definite, definite yeah. answer, I to that, which I kind of like, like yeah. for me, I love, I love um, learning new things. I love, yeah. I love learning how to do new stuff or learning a new skill or a trade or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll have to pick this back up 10 years from now yeah, and see, see what that means. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, I, that's one of my least favorite questions too. Cause I'm just like, Hey, I am where I am. Like, like, you know, just enjoying what I'm doing. Like, just like you, like every, every plan you make doesn't always go according to plan, but it's like, I've gotten to this place. I'm in a really good place. It's like, let me just keep going. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, and just in college, in college, if somebody would ask me that question, I would have said, I'm going to be a physical education teacher at a school and I'll probably be coaching this sport and that sport. And that's kind of what I can see me doing. And then yeah. I fast forward, what would it be? Seven, eight years. And I'm at a military base that I didn't know existed, setting up equipment. So some of our nation's most elite people yep. can train yeah. and like getting ready to like give them writing them programs and how can they be better and like if you'd have told me that in college like no way not yeah. i wouldn't mm -hmm. that was not even on my radar but i mean having that broader goal of wanting to be great at these set of things is a better attitude to have in my opinion because yeah. it, it doesn't shut the door on so many other opportunities you know um narrowing your focus to just one thing is good when you're learning like a particular skill perhaps, but I don't think it's a good idea to do that with just pinpointing yourself to one track on life yeah. or, mm -hmm. um, no, one sure. particular thing you're going to do. Yeah, no, for sure. One last thing. And I'm sorry, I, I got to run. Um, but, um, just so faith, faith is super important to you, obviously throughout your whole life. Mm -hmm. And just like, how have you been able, like, how have you balanced? Like just CrossFit doesn't define me. Cause like you've been a competitor your whole life. Like how have you just balanced that of like, CrossFit doesn't define me. I have bigger things that define me. Yeah. So it's understanding that those things are fleeting and they are. Um, when I was in it for the five years that I was in it, going to the games and training for the games, um, it felt like such a long time. And, and like right now, it's just a blink of an eye. It's like, yeah, it's over. It was done. I mean, I've spent more time out of the game than I even was in the game right now since I started. So, um, those things are never like at the core of who you are. Like you can see it time and time again with people who have been way more successful in athletic careers than me with winning Super Bowls, championships, that once they do it, like it's awesome and it's great, but then that's it. It's done. Like, and it, it leaves you hollow if that's all that you were going to focus your life on. So if you don't feel that you have a greater purpose in what you're doing, um, I think that's a track road to uh, a little bit of an empty life. So mm. For me, like I mentioned before, the words I use are improving the quality of life. And one of those things is through fitness. The other thing is through the saving power of Jesus Christ. And so um, 
those things that I have the opportunity to teach and preach to people um, when the opportunity arises, I know uh, can help in fitness, but then can also help way outside of that, can help them find purpose in their life with who they are, um, can give them direction, can give people um, goals, not just not just small things, but on big things in, in their personal life. And to figure out, like I said, like who they're meant to be, who you're yeah. meant to be and what you're, what you're meant to achieve in this world. Um, and those are big life issues that I think a lot of people struggle with in our country in particular uh, today. So those aren't things that I shy away from. Those are things that I focus on at all time, like who Christ wants me to be. How does he want me to live? How does he want me to walk? Why does he want me to do those things? Yeah. Live the way that I'm living. Um, why does he why am I walking like, uh, or following, I don't want to say following a set of a set of rules, but living to honor, honor that, yeah. uh, honor the things that are laid out in the Bible. Um, at the end of the day, the answer is to glorify God. But mm. by doing that, you'll, you'll receive an abundant life in, in my opinion, not in my opinion, but what I know. Yeah. And it doesn't mean things are always going to be easy. Um, doesn't mean that everything's going to go your way. Definitely actually means hundred percent sure the opposite. Things are not going to go your way. You're going to be tested. You're going to run into trials. You're going to run into problems. And that's the only way you grow. It's the only way you get better. Things have to hurt. Um, that's how you get better in the gym. You push yeah, yourself to the point of things hurt, your muscle grows, you get stronger. Like that's just, that's a, a great parallel to me since I'm, hey, I'm always in the gym. Yeah. It's the same way in life. It doesn't, you're not immune to any of that. Not if you have faith in God, not if you don't have faith in God. Um, there's no promises there either way that things are going to go smooth. So um, you have to take those things with a grain of salt and having that mindset and attitude and realization of that faith and believing in God and believing there's purpose in everything. Um, not just a reason, but a purpose because that gives direction for those things. Um, those are the kind of things that define me. Those are the kind of things that I want to define my life by and, and live by because I know it's going to, uh, in the end, bring me the best end result. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, your stand-up guy. I felt bad for talking shit for you a little bit for a second, <laughs> and then I snapped out of it. But super appreciate you taking the time. This was awesome. Um, yeah, man. I uh, super a lot. appreciate you jumping on here, even though I was about a half hour late. Nah, all good, bro. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I actually got to run. So thanks a lot. Okay, this is freaking awesome. But thanks for having me on. Yeah, Great man. talking with you. Hope yeah. to see you again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Dan.